This episode of 100 Not Out proudly brought to you by the 2017 Greek Island Longevity Retreat to Ikaria, the island where people forget to die. To find out more and to join Damien, myself, and an intimate group of 100 Not Outers, go to www.100notout.com. That's 100notout.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, the weekly podcast dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you, and we're about to go into part two of our interview with mindfulness guru Marvin Oka. Before we do, I'll give you the final invitation to the Urgency Addicts to this weekend's 100 Not Out Lifestyle event. This is the first and quite possibly the only time Damien and I run this intensive workshop. It's not that easy to get together with the great man. This is two days of Damo and I helping you personally create your 100 Not Out Lifestyle. If tickets are still available, you'll find out at 100notout.com forward slash lifestyle weekend. That site again, 100notout.com forward slash lifestyle weekend. Now, tickets will be either $297 on special or up to the regular price of $997. I'm unsure because of the time of this recording. So please don't delay. If you know you're ready for a transformational weekend with Damo and I, head along to the website and register. Now, Damien and I were totally enthralled in this interview with Marvin. So again, we've made it a double episode. We resume the interview talking about the paradigm and mindset of problems. So this is the whole thing about a paradigm shift. Like a problem isn't a problem, right? None of us here really have any problems. They're all just opportunities to grow. Yeah. They're challenges, they're blessings and all the rest of it. But for people that go, well, that's, again, it's all great, but how do I make the paradigm shift? Because when you said, if you're in a place of stress, good yeah, luck. Like if you right. come home and your wife is stressed, the last thing they want is for us to try and fix it and for us to try and make suggestions. Because right. in a place of stress, you don't you don't fix things and you don't solve problems. That's you, right. You just get react. It out. You That's react. Right. You react and defend. So so that the paradigm shift and you know talking the way you do, I love it. You love it. We're all going. I love it. But I know that people listening yeah. go, I want to make the paradigm shift, Marvin. Yeah. So how do yeah. I find the peaceful place to go yep. when my kid comes in and says, Daddy, I hate you and you've never and they've never said that before, how do you be emotionally detached to go, Well, my kids come through me, not from me. They're not my kids. I'm not going to attach myself to that behavior because if I do, I'm just going to get mm. totally upset and then that's my ego actually really upsetting me because all of my past limiting beliefs about myself and the rest, it doesn't really matter. I love okay. them anyway for who they are, not what they do or what they say. Mm. That's a completely different paradigm shift. That's right. But how do you feel that people can make or bridge that gap? Okay. Without pressing the point, I'm probably just thinking of people listening going, I yeah. love it, but how do I do it? How do I do it? Okay. This. There's many ways. Okay, first of all, there's there's actually many things you can do, but uh, I'll try and keep it as, as succinct as possible. Uh, first of all, what not to do? Yes. Right. Okay. First step is you you will not figure it out from your head. All right. So one of the things uh, I know we, we spoke about this uh, before the interview, but there's you know, some of the latest findings in neuroscience are showing that we have at least three, so far we can actually show three, uh, 
neural, complex adaptive neural networks. Technically, they'd, they'd be, you could class them as brains. And it's not just your head brain, but also your heart and your gut also are fully functioning complex adaptive neural networks. Not that other one. Not that other one. <laughs> Don't keep going down, Marcus. <laughs> That's a little brain, Marcus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can play that game. <laughs> now, each of these have, have very different functions. Uh, but before I, I go into those, first of all, also when, you're, when the embryo is forming, the gut brain forms first, which makes sense, right? That if, if you don't, if the embryo doesn't actually develop some sort of system to work with nutrients, then it's not going to grow, pretty simple. But it re then reaches a certain size of complexity where, or a certain scale of complexity where it actually needs a cardiovascular system. So the heart brain forms next, and the head brain forms last. And so your nerve signals go accordingly. Really, so, is yeah. that right? Yeah. I thought the nervous, the brain started first. Depends what, yeah, okay, this is the tricky bit. This is bit. good, okay, yeah, it good, good. Depends what. Because embryology for me was taught differently. Yeah. <laughs> it depends what? what what we're talking about, what, what constitutes a head brain. All right, so, uh, okay. so we, we are going to need a, um, we, we are going to need a, a organizational, organizational system, system actually occurring, right? No. <laughs> we are going to need an organizational system, but yeah. you're, you're not going to get your, your, uh, cognitive co functioning capacities happening anytime soon sure. <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. Now, the, but if you look at how the, the nerve signals are now starting to form yeah. that way, you start to realize, no wonder, the, the gut brain signals are very primal. Mm -hmm. They happen very quick and they, they start to show up what, what we call the prime function. So your gut is going to be really responsible for a lot of survival instinct. Sure. A lot of things around safety, protection, Eventually, core identity, core sense of visceral self will start to emerge as well. And action will start to occur out of the gut as well. Now, the, the signals then flow upwards. So it seems, from what we can tell so far, it seems like the vagus nerve is a major highway for all, the, all these nerve signals. So you're saying the vagus nerve goes up rather than coming down? 70 to 80% of the signals it's up. go up. It's, right? it's afferent. Which, which, which is why, which is why you will be experiencing body reactions and emotions long before your head figures out what the heck's going on. Wow. Right? You'll be feeling, and before you, and you'll hear it in people's language, and then I go, yeah, now that I think about it, I'm angry. Or while you will see martial artists or things like that, they will respond before their head can think up, even know what's happening, bang, they'll, they'll be responding. Because wow. they'll be getting other signals that are happening. Wow. Right? Awesome. Now, this, this, this notion of, of getting it in balance now. So, so let's say your child's now, going back to your example, child's got, gotten you upset, etc. If you try and think, oh, okay, I need to be, you know, a pretty enlightened parent here, it's too late. Your gut's gone. Done. Bam, they, they, they violate a boundary or value to me, I'm pissed off, and you're already in reaction. Yeah. At which point, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> right? So a couple of things. First of all, we'll go back to zero learning because there's some ways you gotta drill it and comes back to your question of practicalities. First step is, how do you how do you ever get back to autonomic balance by choice yeah. by intention? It's autonomic. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. Well, you're probably aware, and maybe our, some of our listeners aren't aware yet. One of the key measures for autonomic balance is what's called heart rate variability. We test that. Yeah, in practice. Exactly. Right. Now, often when we say this to people, they kind of go, "Oh, wonderful." So, so hang on. So you're telling me the measures through the heart rate, heart rate variability, the HRV, and it's autonomic. What good is that? 
<laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Well, it, yeah, it seems that there are doorways or gateways to access the autonomic nervous system, and it is through the somatic system, through the muscular system, which we do have conscious control over. So Stephen Elliott pointed out that there were nine gateways. Sometimes they can be 12, sometimes six, depends how you want to chunk it. But of the nine that he started pointing out, which explains a lot of different types of wisdom practices as well, but at the core of it, there was one in particular that was a standout, which went, well, this explains a lot. And the core one was breathing. You alter the breathing and you will alter how the autonomic nervous system functions. Mm. And we started to recognize, hey, in every wisdom tradition, everyone that has practices associated to it, so it's not just knowledge, but it's, there's actual practices, all, there were no exceptions, mm -hmm. all had some kind of breathing practice. Mm -hmm. And it made sense because you have to alter the autonomic nervous system. Now, if every breath, as you're probably aware, inhalation activates the sympathetic, exhalation activates the parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. Elliot found all you had to do was just have an even inhalation and an even exhalation from diaphragmatic breathing. If you did diaphragmatic breathing, just had an even count in, even count out, you start going to autonomic coherence very quickly. And I mean seconds. Yeah. Right. Inside really? of a, inside of a minute, you want you want to say get adjusted. But this is the best thing about someone that says a chiropractor that gets their HRV tested. It's like, well, how best can I hold the adjustment so that I don't feel like I'm coming in and I'm in pain when I come in a week later? It's like, you know what? The best thing you do to hold your adjustment is to do some mindful breathing. Mindful breathing. That's right. And then you're not asking them to twist around this way and do this exercise. And, oh, mm. it's just. Surely compliance on breathing can't be that hard. <laughs> Does this yeah. work for switching both, um, say, sympathetic dominance, which we hear a lot about at the moment, as well as what I like to talk about as parasympathetic dominance? Yeah. It does. Yeah, it does. Right. Now, having said that, though, uh, the for the average person, you can train them how to actually do some, some balanced breathing mm -hmm. relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. For a lot of other people, that might be chronically overly mm -hmm. sympathetic or overly parasympathetic. Sure. It can take a bit of work. It can take a bit of body work. That's required for a whole host of reasons. First, first straight neural patterning. Yeah. So a lot of these people, if you say, you know, take a deep breath, well, the diaphragm, the, exactly, the diaphragm's supposed to go down. Instead, yeah. you see their shoulders rise. Yeah. As soon as the shoulders rise, they've gone sympathetic. It's, yeah. it's that quick, right? For a lot of people, their posturing doesn't allow them to actually do good, proper breathing. Sure. So if they're hunched over, etc., well, the diaphragm can't go down. For a lot of other people, if this is decades of improper breathing, their intercostal muscles just don't have the flexibility and you can have to retrain the body. And it, for some, it could be painful for a little bit, kind of stretching out the rib cage, wow. et cetera. So sometimes you just gotta retrain. However, once, once we've done that, once we've trained them to actually breathe and they realize that this is, it's very easy to access. Straight zero learning now, do this a lot. Yeah. Shower, driving, you're breathing anyway. Before, before <laughs> a meal is probably one of the big ones. Yeah. Just because that's where, we're talking about this with Dr. Mario Martinez as well, but you do hear a lot just in our busy world, take a moment to just do some deep breathing that's before right. a meal. And you're much more likely to be focused on your meal, present with it, digest it better, chew it better, all the rest of it. Yes. And like you said, I mean, this is paradigm shifting stuff. It might seem simplistic, but it is, is paradigm yeah. shifting that's behavior. Right. That's right. And now we start to move them up the scale. So now that we've gone from zero, we now need to move it up so we get more and more generative about it. So we can then do intentional stimulus response conditioning mm. where we can actually say, great, now when you're actually in a, in a coherent state and now you can really tap into what is your heart really 
feel is most important for you here, if, you know, working with your children or whatever it might be. Well, in this state, of course, I've got access to a whole range of other resources. I don't have when I'm angry, mm. but you know, I've got that now. Terrific. Now we can do some straight things straight up out of NLP, for instance. We can straight what we call anchoring processes. Good. Now, imagine that situation where a child will get, get angry or whatever it might be. Feel what it feels like when you're starting to get angry. Great. Then take a breath and relax. And now start to realize you know, what's going to be most important. How do you want to respond? Maybe the best response is just take a breath for a moment, whatever it might be. But you re-anchor this over and over. And now what happens is the negative trigger becomes a trigger for the positive resource. And mm. that's the conditioning now. That's so, good. Right. So, so that's now that's the new bell. Uh, it's, exactly, it's the mm. new bell. Mm. Right? That every time now I get plugged mm. in is when I get reminded to actually go back to the, yeah. to the proper state. Absolutely. Then over time, that now needs to generalize to actually say, you know, when you're in this state, which feels like more like the real you, mm. the one where you are now internally congruent and balanced and trying to express you know, something that that is meaningful for you, or the one when you're in reaction. The one where you have regrets about what you're going to about to do. <laughs> Which one's the real you? And the more that you start to recognize in your own epistemology, your own way of knowing the world, that a truer ontology, a truer way of being is actually more this balanced state, not the reactive state. Now it starts to shift. Now when the child plugs you in, it's not just a straight, oh, I now need to remember to relax. It's more like, who, who am I? In this, yeah. in this situation. Who do, and this situation is now calling me to become my highest self here. And this Absolutely. is who I'd rather be. I'd rather be this person rather than the, than the parent that just yells back at the kid. And now becomes self-evolutionary at that point. But this is now where you're now starting to apply mindfulness with that kind of an intention. Do you, are you applying mindfulness not just so you relieve stress, but how do I actually learn and grow and evolve who I am in all of this? Now we're having to have generative mindfulness. I'm so relieved and inspired by these words because we're talking about mindfulness as a way of life yeah. and an embodiment right. yeah. rather than a trend. Something mm. that you just do for now. And a technique. Mm. Mm. You know, and, and, and when you were saying that, I mean, the, the greatest gift you can give anyone in a stressful environment, um, as simple as it sounds, my mum always says it is, always be the better person. Mm. Um, if someone's under stress and they say something like, the kid says, I hate you, mum, I hate you, dad, or whatever, it's up to us to truly embody what we're talking about here to have that paradigm shift of well that doesn't necessarily have to be true and i don't necessarily have to run old patterns but like you say it's truly feeling it within your heart not doing it because marvin said to do it Mm. because you Mm. genuinely feel within your heart and like you said you've gone through i love how you combine i don't know if it's if it's your combination or if it is your incredible Mm. wisdom but combining the different ways of learning and moving up the levels with a technique or a trend because there are techniques or trends that we learn of that actually we want to become a way of life but we can't just embody that by reading a book the ways of learning that you are the different Mm. spheres that you're talking about is the way to make something a lifetime a habit or lifestyle rather than something that just comes in and out of our life yes yeah, yeah, that's so right. Thanks for allocuting it so beautifully. It's beautiful to listen to. It's like martial arts, isn't it? Oh, very much so. Mm. Yeah. You know, think about it. The cause... ninja of mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's so, so profound. Where do people get to learn this? I mean, obviously, they can listen to this podcast over and over, and I'm sure they will. Oh, I, will I, I want to. I, I, will, I, will, I will go back and listen to some of this. But where do people get an opportunity to learn more about this, Marvin? Because 
this is a this is a game changer. This is a, a mm. you know it's a deal maker for yes. so many people. Yeah. Um, where where can they see more of you, and where can they get access to you? Yeah, there's two places. Uh, one is these are both projects just starting up, so the websites will be up very shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is what's called Wellness Languaging, mm-hmm. WellnessLanguaging.com, uh, and it's uh, got two different. Um, Two different programs for that. One is for people who are professional health practitioners mm-hmm. working with their patients and clients, uh, and then there's others for just as individuals. We want to develop our own wellness consciousness, and part of it is looking at the way that we use language for that. Because the way that we use language will start to create our world, and we can create our world in a way that locks us in into our problem consciousness, or in a way that emerges us into a higher order of consciousness through our own self-talk, the, the ways we do language. I'll give you a fast example, by the way, and. Uh, uh, I think we talked about this in our in our last interview, but it's 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 very relevant here. For example, is there's a there's a terminology uh, to, for those of you that are technical geeks that are out there like myself. The technical term for this is what's called a nominalization. But if you're not, don't worry about the word. What what it is is it's when something grammatically looks like a noun, but in real life is actually a verb. Mm-hmm. What's and an we, example? We have a lot of these. Yeah, almost any word for our values is that peace, happiness, integrity, truth. We don't have those. We have to do those. Yeah, nice, right? nice. But one of my favorites is the word relationship. Yeah, you don't do right? relationship. Yeah, you don't. You don't have one. So people say, "I have a bad relationship with someone." <laughs> Grammatically, that's correct. Yeah. In real life, that's totally false. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you cannot have one. Yes. It's not a thing. It's not a noun. You can't borrow from the shop. That's right. Yeah. Yes. You have to do it. And we have doing words. They're, they're verbs. And so common verbs have an ing suffix. So a proper use of mapping, mapping to the territory, would be relating. So instead of saying, I have a bad relationship to someone, which would make you feel angry, upset, frustrated, if you said instead, I'm relating to someone badly. Mm-hmm. Now instantly what happens? Soft, it's softened. Well, yeah. also, I've got choice. I could change yeah. the way I'm relating, yeah. which would change the whole relationship loop. Yeah. Totally. So we've instantly gone from no choice to choice in a second. Yeah. Right? Also, I mean, I mean, the actual word in relationship. Every single way that we use the word relationship, it almost makes me feel like it can't even be a word because we say, "How are your relationships with your family?" Well, really, what you're saying is, "How are you relating?" relating. That's right. To the people you mm. know that you consider yeah, your family. That's right. Uh, because yeah. you don't have relationships; you just relate yeah. to other yeah. human beings. Health. I don't have good or bad health. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's wow. the way I'm doing my healing processes. How are you doing? Right? Yeah. How are you doing and I'm doing my wholeness processes. Right? Yeah. yeah. How are you doing aging? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. I like it. Nice. And so it changes your whole epistemology, your whole way of knowing the world. But what's more important is the consciousness of which recognizing you have that choice to language mm. what your eventual experience will be. And one of the Fascinating things. I also do a lot of work with uh, Rabbi Lebel Wolf. I'm doing a lot of work with NLP. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no, no. That's right. No, this, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh. And he pointed out to me something, again, startling. Uh, and he said, you know, the words abracadabra, if you could say magic words and things would change, he said the words abracadabra is Hebrew. And what it means is I create what I speak. Oh, I love Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> How about that? That's amazing. We have a lot of Israelis, the second most popular... Um, uh, like population, you know, where I live up in yeah. the Byron Bay, Byron Shire, and I'm going to go back and say abracadabra. Yeah. When <laughs> so you see them. Yeah, when all of my hand. friends. When you yep. shake their hand. Yep. So what is it? I create? I create what I speak. Oh, 
So good. Love um, it. Just one thing you spoke about wellness languaging because we haven't spoken about it enough on uh, this podcast. But I would like to say for anyone listening who is a health professional, um, particularly if you want influence on your community, on the people that you work with, this is all great uh, if you go, oh, I'm going to tell my, my clients and my patients to start breathing. But mm. the whole thing is, oh, yeah. you've got to clean your own backyard up first. That's right. Yeah. So the, the program that Marvin has developed for health professionals, I think is paramount. In a former life, I used to visit practices and observe their communication. As a journalist by, by trade, mm. I'd be observing, sounds so journalist, but a male practitioner who would never listen to their clients. And, and the, the client might be spilling the beans on their whole entire right. life. And they're just going, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I'm like, did you actually just listen uh. to what they're saying? This is endemic mm. in health professions. And so I urge you to consider looking at Marvin's work on wellness languaging to not only improve the relationship with yourself, but the way that you can influence the clients that you do have, have influence on because that's that's a key point in the way that people want to grow their health mm. today. Yeah, and you've brought up a good point as well, which is, you know, while it's termed wellness languaging, one of the purposes is, is the quality of the relationship you'll have with others and with yourself if you're managing your own internal dialogue. Uh, and again, it's a great philosopher of our time, Martin Heidegger, you know, sort of point out that how do we come into being? How do, how do, we, how do we come into who we think we are or how we're being at any point in time? When and, do you know? And, yes. When do you know? Well, that's that was one of the core things he, he started to I'll go a little background on this is um, he did an audacious thing, which is, I thought was magnificent, which is he challenged Aristotle. Good <laughs> on him. And he said, that. Aristotle got it wrong. It's <laughs> 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 like, well, okay. Uh, and he said, uh, when Aristotle's approach to ontology, uh, he said, was off. He said, uh, Aristotle, what Aristotle was describing was what he classed as ontic, not ontological. Mm. And he said, Aristotle will ask questions like, you know, how, what makes a bottle a bottle? What makes, what makes a jar a jar or a chair a chair? Uh, and he said, it's too late. You, you're, you're, you've already started with that it is. Yeah. And now you're looking at the characteristics of what makes it that. Sure. He says, but he asked it from a classic verb form. And he said, Heidegger said, well, how did you come into being in the first place? Yeah. Especially as a human. How is it a and, and again, being German, and he, you know, as, he, as he spoke in German, he had to reach for metaphors to try and describe because there was not, no language for yeah. it. And he talked about things like a clearing, how you know, we come from, from a nothing out, out of a clearing. But he said, but we don't come into being in a vacuum. We come into being in a practical world. So there's got to be utility to our way of being, which is really interesting. Yeah. Which interesting set up, he, he said, then that sets up two different issues. Um, one is what he called the techni mindset. So it's a technical mindset. And he says, if you, if you come from it where everything is about utility, then he said it will become, and he predicted this decades ago, right? he, he said it, it will become a dangerous world at that point when if the majority of the, of the world has a techni mindset where everything is about utility, because then we'll start to no longer relate to each other as beings. We relate to each other as resources and assets Mm. And you either are or aren't. That's, You're either useful or not useful. That's frightening. Yeah. That's, that's where, we where we're at. Well, yeah. this is exactly where yeah. we're at today. Yeah, right? yeah. that's frightening. He says, well, as opposed to relating to just a way of being, right? He says, but in the other way, you know, we'll relate to each other in the way of being. He says, we come into the world, not just in utility, but we also come into the world through a context of relationships. And so this is pretty obvious when you think about it in your own personal life. It, you know, if you are an adult and your parents are still living and you go home to visit your parents, they relate to you like 
you're still their the kid, child, the child, yeah, and you start having a lot of those behavioral patterns, yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. which is different than when yeah. you're with your partner, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but not always. Not always. Yeah, it depends right. what you right. do on Saturday night. Yeah. If, you are, if you work with someone, for instance, particularly, uh, it is really common for people that are employed and they happen to have you know, bosses that don't understand them or whatever it might be. If they relate to you like you're an idiot or you're not capable or you're not competent, it's hard for you to be at your best at work because the relationship doesn't allow you to, to come into your best way of being. Mm. But if you've ever been with someone else who believed in you and perhaps even believed in you more than you believed in yourself, mm. you can step into new ways of being you didn't even know was possible for you. Because, but the relationship held that context to make that possible. You could come into being that way. Yeah. Right? So when you actually are doing things like with wellness languaging, which is you know, through, through language and communications is one, one of the ways we're going to manage our, our relationships and, and, and create the foundations for our relationships. We can do it in a way that prevents someone from evolving, mm -hmm. keeps them locked right where they are, worse yet diminishes them, or creates the space where they can become and where they can emerge into new ways of being. Now, at one level, it sounds wonderful and it sounds really idealistic, but for those of you in... in DMRs and deep meaningful relationships <laughs> instead of the more fun, shallow, meaningless ones. But if you're in, in deep meaningful ones, <laughs> a lot of times the person you're with doesn't want you to emerge into new ways of being, despite what wow, they say. That's the yeah, way you say Because the loop. Probably have to pull the car over right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you're part of their life and they've. They've, it's scary to it's grow. It's homeostasis. The yeah. relationship is in homeostasis. Yeah. yeah. Right? If you grow, they'll have to grow. Yeah. Right. If you go conscious, it means they'll have to go conscious. Yeah. And if you don't, then you. there's conflict. And who wants Correct. conflict? So you see this with men who right. want to keep their wife happy. Well, if I really do what I want to do, she won't be happy. So I'll just stay where yeah. I am. And you see uh, females doing it the other, yeah. uh, exactly the same way. So the wellness languaging element is is huge. At, at, the, at the surface level, we're entering via language, but it, instantly starts going to relationships, it starts going into consciousness, it starts going into intention. So as you say, it's, it's very, very big. So, and the second program yes. I mentioned as well was inner, inner work, what I call inner work coaching. Uh, so it's specifically for coaches, people working with other people. And there are three forms, four if you consider an integration or hybrid, but three basic forms of coaching. There's one that is um, performance-based coaching. So this is what you see on the sports field and things of that nature. Uh, or sometimes business coaches are performance-based coaches. Sure. For that to work, a coach has to be a technical expert. They have to know how to do the task mm. at hand and how to get you there. They have to know what is correct performance and how to bridge the gap if you're not there. Then there's process-based coaching. Process-based coaching are usually a lot of life coaches. They may or may not have their life together, yeah. but they can still help you because they have a bunch of processes for you to work through your stuff. Sure. And then there are inner work coaches. Inner work coaches are not about external behaviors or about achieving external results. They're about getting your internal world healthy and aligned and congruent, whatever it might be. Interestingly enough, my work with a lot of executives and a lot of large multinationals, usually that is the issue. I was going to say, I hope it's the issue. Yeah. I hope <laughs> it's it because right. we want more authentic leadership and we want more, not so much the results and the processes, that's we right. want just real human beings yeah. uh, leading the charge. Yeah, and that's their issue. Usually by the time they're senior managers or, or senior leaders, executives in particular, they know how to get results. Mm, sure. That's not their issue. Their issue is relationships, communication, mm. sometimes internal conflicts. Mm. Sometimes the organization is asking them to do something and they've got a conflict with their own internal values and how do they work with it. And, 
And that's when you get more conscious leadership. That's important. How can people find out more about the inner work coaching? Inner work coach, innerworkcoaching.com. Uh, Marvin, coach. you have been so generous with your time. This has been a double episode of 100 Not Out. You have been so incredible with altering our minds. And if our minds feel altered, no doubt the listeners and the viewers of 100 Not Out, we cannot thank you enough for sharing your wisdom, being so generous with us. And like we uh, like to say to every single one of our guests, Marvin Oka, may the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life. Thank you very much. Same to you. Thank you. Damien, as always, thanks again for your wisdom. You're such a great connector. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have been able to have this interview. So thanks for doing what you do to allow this to happen. And for everyone there at home, in the car, watching on YouTube, wherever you are in the world, to find out more, please go to thewellnesscouch.com. Check out all 22 podcasts on the couch. To find out more about Damien, go to damienchristoff.com, myself, marcuspierce.com.au. And come with us to Icaria if there are still spaces. That's uh, June 26th to July 5, 2017. All that at 100notout.com. Thanks again for your company and continue, as always, to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.